certainly seems this week in the Tiger minor league system, there's been quite a bit of news, quite a bit of activity, and the Erie Bats have been just decimating pitching. But the reason why we, if you look down on our lower left screen, if you're watching us on YouTube, and if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, first and foremost, thank you. By the way, we had our best month ever and it turns the download. So thank you for participating. Thank you for sending us questions. Really appreciate that. Well, if you're watching Jack Olakagan pitching here through the cottonwood that's floating around in Great Lakes, he almost got nailed there. The, the reason why I pulled, start there, pulled this start is because Great Lakes has one of the best offenses in the league, and he just got promoted to Toledo, Chris. And so we were speculating whether or not this was a org move or because Toledo's rotation has been just getting pummeled first by Rochester, now Indianapolis, over the last two weeks. Yeah, and it's the... Sorry, can you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah it was, I thought it was my end at first. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the sea wolves, yeah, that was, that was like perfect timing from Charles, the dog. Sorry. Yeah, it's June 1st. And so we've talked about this before when the Tigers traded Jonathan Davis because we thought there was an opt-out. I think uh, the Toledo Mudhands pitching staff has been really strange all year long. They haven't had many guys go deep into any starts. And it's been it's almost been like a small army of, of short and long relievers there. But I think that we've got some Mudhand veterans probably opting out. I haven't seen any word on that yet, but but you just look at, so you've got Jack O'Loughlin getting called up from West Michigan, but you also have, who else got called up? Dario, or yeah, Billy Lesher got signed, called up to Toledo from Erie. Chavez Fernander got called up from West Michigan to Toledo. So it, it feels like they're trying to backfill some arms there. And what we know about, we know that Reese Olsen's coming up to make his MLB debut tomorrow on Friday. And so the Mudhens need somebody who can, to meet some innings and, and Flynn has been pitching very well in West Michigan and it's like, all right, he's, he's, he's the best option for them right now. Yeah. Rayton Bristow, who was just called up for the, for just that one appearance against Texas, he didn't even appear in the game. He got sent back down to Toledo. So there was guys like that. There's also Garneau, is it Aston? Aston Goodell. Goodell. Yes. So there's, there's, there's that to consider. And in terms of people are probably going to ask, what about, is there any arms readily available in Erie? But I really don't think they're going to try to break that up a little bit because that rotation, they have a new pitching coach. So they're still breaking things in with him. And could be the case too, where Madden and Wilmer Flores has pitched better as of late. The last three starts will, as we'll be talking about that on Sunday during our live show we do every Sunday. But as far as what the Tigers concerned with guys like Flores, guys like Ty Madden, double A, maybe perhaps don't want to break him up. But if you're wondering why O'Loughlin, it's simple. He's been pretty effective over the last 25 innings of work. He's been one of the best pitchers outside of another lefty, Brent Hurdler, in the system. And he's got up to 95-96, according to Dan Hasty, the Whitecaps announcer. And he's been going in and out of his own pretty effectively. Strikeout stuff is a little up, but he's not really a strikeout guy. But that ERA, that but the walks, the most important mm. stat right there, Chris, the walks are significantly down than they were from last year. 
Yeah, he's, he's, so he was a guy who signed when he was 16 years old. He's out of Adelaide, Australia, which is the opposite coast from Sydney, if you're wondering. And he signed in the same international class as Wenzel Perez. And so he's been around the system forever. It just, it just feels he's finally putting things together. And he's always had a pretty good feel for his breaking ball. But the, yeah, the, the, as a big kid, 6'5", 225, 235. And he's gotten more coordinated and, and more direct to the plate. So he's thrown more strikes and then more quality strikes. And the fastball is decent. The changeup is, is cringy. But uh, yeah, he's a guy who can go up to Toledo and probably survive for a little bit. It's, but as we're saying, I, I feel like they didn't want to disrupt Erie's rotation that much. And it may simply just be that O'Loughlin's turn through the rotation lines up with Olsen's rather than I don't bring it up Montero or, or Madden or Flores or, or one of those guys. And, and I was saying earlier, I think I thought it might've been Sawyer Gibson long who would get this call because he feels like the, the elder statesman there and, and Erie, but he didn't make his last start. He was supposed to start last Sunday and he didn't. And I don't know what's going on with him. It's hurt. If it's sick or whatever, though, so they go down to the next one. The next one is, is Jack O'Loughlin. And as we're saying after this, it, I don't know how long. You'll be in Toledo. It could be a one-start thing. It could be two or three. But my guess is then after he's done in Toledo, they'll send him to Erie rather than back down to West Michigan. So it's still still motion. It's just a layover in Toledo on his way to Erie, if you will. Yeah, because it makes sense. At some point, you're going to see a corresponding move from Erie to Toledo or Erie to Detroit at some point based off a couple of factors. One being that Justin and Henry Moy is starting to play the outfield. And with the injury to Riley Green, which we'll be talk- we'll be discussing further in the Motor City Metrics podcast, you have Riley Green, you have Eduardo Rodriguez going down with an injury, you have Tarek Skubal, who's going to be back soon, but it's going to probably be a few more weeks, if not probably, you're hoping by the end of the month at least, that they can hold, they can hold out enough for the Tigers pitching. And then you have Winsiel Perez, who moved to the outfield. We talked about that on Sunday. So you would have to make a move to add Malloy to the 40-man. In addition, you do have Parker Meadows. You have... What's the Perez? (laughs) Yeah. You have Winsiel Perez. You have Winsiel Perez and Parker Meadows both on the roster, and Perez going to the outfield. Chris, he's looked serviceable out there at best, but then we can't ignore the elephant in the room, and that's one Mr. Cole Keith, who has been starting at second. So it's a prelude to things to come that potentially could go to Toledo and maybe, just maybe, would hit Detroit by the end of the summer. Just a possibility. Yeah, it feels kind of like like it's moving season, if you will. Like, just things are happening in, in the minor league system. We've talked about about Lachlan and Lake here. But you have, for the first time all year, they let two guys go into pitch into the sixth inning. Yesterday, they let Brain Hurt do it in Erie. He threw 94, 95 pitches and looked pretty good again. So he's a guy that, that as you discussed, maybe moving up to Toledo. He may, he would probably be my choice right now. And then Lachlan would, would backfill there in Erie. But uh, and then they had Garrett Burton pitch six innings for West Michigan. And so they're, they're, we talked about it before. The first month, it was only four innings for everybody. And then it makes five innings. And now they're looking in the reins at six innings, I think, at least probably till the end of the year. So we've seen that. They're getting some of these guys prepared. And then the other thing is, yeah, they're moving guys around. And we've seen this a ton in Detroit. They love their versatility up there. And even Toledo, like Tyler, Lipkiss, those guys playing all over the place there. 
but yeah, I think it's, it's in preparation for these guys to make their way to the bigs. It, part of it is so you want Cole Keith to, to get, and he's played second base before. So you just want to get him familiar with that again, or his inevitable call up to Toledo so that Malloy and Keith can both be on the field at the same time, but you don't want him to play exclusively second base that he might be a third baseman in the big leagues. Uh, and so you, you don't want Malloy to play exclusively outfield because he might be a third baseman in the big league. So they're just getting these guys more acclimated to their, those positions. Malloy has played outfield in Atlanta. And I think he played exclusively outfield once he moved to double A last year. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just more about getting these guys ready for their inevitable call-ups. And with Malloy, it's, it would be the call up to the big leagues and Keith, it's called to triple A and possibly to the big leagues too, because yeah, what he did in May was absurd. Yeah, so if you're wondering what he did in the month of May, he batted 374 with six home runs, drove in 27, had 10 walks of 23 strikeouts, and was just in the in the last. Let's, let's see here. So if I go back from since May 20th, so since yeah, since May 20th, that goes a span of eight games. During that eight games, Chris, during that eight games, six of those eight games were multi-hit games. I think. Seven of his last 12. Yeah, like it's the second half of May. He's just like, you know what? I'm just going to hit everything. Yeah. They had that six-hit game in there. He's had multiple three-hit games. Yesterday was a two-hit game. Yeah, the, the, the kid can hit. It is just a hitter. I think he'll be able to hit big league pitching. Maybe not from Jump Street. But it'll take him a little while, but he's got the ability to do it, and he's got the ability to hit the power, too. So he could be a very nice addition to Detroit's lineup within the next two months, even if it feels like the sort of thing I remember back in the day, Cameron Mabin, long time ago, or I think 2008, maybe Cameron Mabin was tearing up West Michigan and they took him up to Erie and he went absolutely bonkers for 10 days. They're like, all right, let's come up to the big leagues. Like sometimes they're just like, all right, why are we wasting these at bats down in the minor? That doesn't mean that he could come up crushing, but it wouldn't shock me if he goes from Erie to Toledo in really as like a bonkers two weeks. We've, we've seen even, even guys who are high ranking prospects, like Corey Joyce, Corey Joyce, every time he goes to Toledo, just turns into a monster. I don't know if yeah. it's better lighting or what it is that, that just smell the big leagues, or maybe it's just the, the kind of pitching triple A versus double A, but I don't think it's going to be much of a, an issue for Colt Keith. And if he goes and destroys triple A, what's to keep them from bringing him up to Detroit? Maybe it's all maybe it's all that Tony Pacos. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. yeah, delicious sausage is always good for and baseball hitter and dumplings yeah. too. Oh, and and oh, shout out to Robert James on Twitter at Confusion Rain. And when last night I put the the last two players from the infield. I have to specify this because people were trying to say Justin Verlander. I understood that Tony Giordano and Alex Avila are among the last two who have played in the infield. They got the a call from straight from Erie to Detroit, skipping Toledo. And I said, I can't recall a player the Tigers have had who dominated like this in their first year in double A. So Robert Davis did the math for me into the history. And then he goes, well, let's go to the tape. And I was proven correct. And not again, not because it's not a victory parade, but this is, this is an interesting stat here. So Cole Keith, 329 slash line, 329, 399, 576 with a WRC plus of 161. You heard me correctly, 161. Riley Green, 298, 381, 525 
145 WRC plus. Spencer Turkelson, just to give you an example, 263, 373, 560, 148 WRC plus. And then a name I haven't heard in a long time, Jordan Litterton, 269, 386, 469, WRC plus of 130. Quincy Laporte is down there, but he was, that, this one was like 27, 28 years old. So I'm, we're going to count him, of course, but still. We're, we're seeing dominance. We're seeing a guy who has been seeing the ball all year long very well. And it sounds like we're, if we're maybe too excited about Colt Keith, but I, Chris, this is, this is unprecedented. We saw Green sometimes struggling in, in the Erie. Sometimes we would have some really bad at bats. It's typical of any player, but, but Colt Keith, sometimes we saw that early on. We saw that, I think, when we went to the home series, too. I think we saw Keith take a couple bad at-bats. Yeah, but... he, he wasn't locked in yet. He was yeah. he was swinging at, at pitches above the zone a little bit too much and hitting pop-ups when he did hit the ball and play. And one of those pop-ups ended up being like an infield double, which was funny. But, but yeah, he's locked in now. He's not chasing as much of the zone. He's And he's uh, he's still a very aggressive hitter. He doesn't expand a ton, but if you throw him a ball in the in the strike zone, he's going to swing at it for the most part. And he, he, he hit it pretty hard. Yesterday, there was a nice, was an 0-2 pitch from a lefty. He got a fastball up and away from him. It was a screaming line drive right over third baseman's head. He's, he's just got terrific barrel control. And uh, yeah, we're excited because he's a hitter. And the Tigers, like you go, you think like Nick Castellanos like this. Isak Peretti's had a really nice five-week debut in, in Erie when he was 19, I think. But uh, yeah, beyond that, like Riley Green, Riley Green took off after like his first two months in Erie. Then he, he really picked things up and was able to get promoted to Toledo eventually. But yeah, that's basically what we're seeing. We're seeing what we saw from Cole Keith last year. That second month of the season, he just goes, goes nuts. Now, last year, it ended with an unfortunate injury. Uh, otherwise, he would have been in Erie probably by July. And uh, who knows? He might be in the big leagues right now. But yeah, and then here we, we've got him playing some little second, second base defense that we put together because. Yeah, we thought people might like to get a look at him because he's not built like a traditional second. He's he's big and muscular, although we we have talked about him slimming down a little bit to show more range. But he's got when he's on the move, he's he's got pretty good, good hands. There, there's times when he can let the ball play him and then it'll bounce out of his glove. You know, he's turning a double play here. Yeah, that's right. That's a really cold. That was one of the cold days from last yeah, the, year. Yeah, these are all like highlights from last April. Or, or or early May because uh, again he's injured. Yeah, he's going to be perfectly passable at second base. I think you you worry a little bit about the double play turns and and footwork around the bag. But we see these these guys. It's not like they get to the big leagues and stop working on their stuff, right? We've seen Spencer Torkelson take hundreds of little ground balls with his tiny mitt at first base like every day because this is their job. They get better. So I think Cole Keith is certainly athletic enough to handle. Second base, it's, I don't know if he's going to be average or above average, but he can survive there against the, maybe a, a, like a righty-heavy lineup with Cole Keith at second base. There you go. You're just you're, you're getting his bat in the lineup. Now, look at this throw. That's awesome. Right yeah. there. We, that's actually, we, we, we actually have a replay of this one because I, so it's a slow motion. It's ranging behind second base. <laughs> Basically, turn around, jump throw, strike from 120 feet away. There's some, some physical tools there. It's all about the bat, but not at nothing. Yeah, and that's where the reason why it was important to show this is because it, there was a limited, again, limited sample size because he was out by, what, 
in May, that injury. I, I want to say early June. Early June, yeah. And, and the Tigers have had a series of bad news this week. We mentioned earlier, Erod with it's going to be out for at least three or four starts. Somebody wanted to correct me on Twitter. I just said at least a start, but again, I was also, I don't know, I didn't, I know we had so many doctors on Twitter apparently, but I don't know, it was also just making <laughs> sure that I had the correct information. That he at least missed a start, but to the extent of how many, anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, I agree with the stress fracture and the Tigers found a way to win yesterday on Wednesday against the Rangers. And, but Keith is a guy who's been mashing and, and they have to, this is the point you have to be creative at. I think under Alvila, I'm not going to do the what if under Alvila thing, but if there's one thing that Detroit has been able to do this year that we've not seen in the past is be creative. In terms of the Jake Marsick signing, he comes out yesterday, has seven or eight putouts, goes in with a pair of hits. Who saw that coming? I don't know what Jake was doing on Monday, but I'm sure he wasn't expecting to be in Detroit by Wednesday. And I think he was, I think he was with the White Sox. But was he in, with, with the White Sox or was he down in Charlotte? I, I, I think he was. Yeah, I mean, he was in the White Sox organization, but I do think he probably was in Charlotte. Like, yeah, I mean, they wanted, so Veerling went down with injury. They wanted another right-handed hitting outfielder. So Marisnik out there. They, White Sox weren't going to do anything with him. So they paid however much cash considerations is. And yeah, he came up big with a couple opposite field singles. He's, he's, he's a guy who's been in the big leagues for a long time because he's got really good tools. He just, he's never been a very consistent hitter. And they need, they just need bodies right now. They need outfielders. They need somebody who can go get it in center field that he can do that. So it's like, I, I've talked before about, I, I feel like so much of the season has been like, hey, why are we still playing scope? Why are they paying them and stuff? And, and I feel like basically Christopher Illich is not, not willing to eat a bunch of salary if he thinks the Tigers aren't going to win a bunch of games anyway. That makes any sense. And Tigers, like any baseball team, have their own about how they be this year. Oh, we think we might win 75 games or like 65, something like that. And they adjust for everything that happens. And I'm sure it, it's basically Hinch's job and Scott Harris's job to try to extend that and make it closer to, hey, we can actually stay afloat, basically. Hey, we, we can compete. We might be able to win 80 games. If we win 80 games, we might be able to win this terrible division. And, and at that point, you can go to Scott Harris and say, hey, I know, we know you don't want to eat however much of the $7 million is left, but we need to get better because we think we actually have a chance. And I don't know how, I don't know when they can do that. It certainly doesn't help to lose your two best players one day. But I think that's that's why we haven't seen a lot of the moves that fans have been asking for. Is is that I don't think Chris Illich wants to do anything unless he thinks they actually have a chance. And I think he he needs Harris to come with him with sort of not concrete proof, but projections that say they do have a chance, which I, probably not there yet. Yeah, like Jonathan Scope yesterday had a really bad game. Yeah, in terms of just defensively. And they, people forget that he had a recent stretch of good two weeks of baseball, but yeah. what's hardly mentioned at all is just get rid of him, get rid of him and buying as immediately and make this happen. And it's not that easy. I, I think that you look at those two in terms of major league experience. That's why they went with Mar Marisic over somebody like Malloy because he's been in the big leagues before. And if the Tigers are going to continue to win 
now and be competitive in a brutal schedule coming up, they're going to have to, again, is Molloy ready? I don't know. I really, again, I see the, the struggles. He's had, he had a really rough month of May in terms of at the plate. He's been striking out a lot more than he normally has, and he was just figuring out a little bit. However, on the flip side of things, you could sit there and say something like along the lines of, look at Will Vest. He struggled, but it's different with pitching. Yeah, and, and it could be hitters or humans. Boy could be feeling like I was playing really well in, in April. They didn't give me a chance, and now I'm struggling. And it's like it, maybe it's in his head. Maybe he just needs to be feeling like he's in the big leagues again. Maybe when he when he was there at the first of the season, he thought he'd be like I'm on my way, and suddenly he wasn't on his way. <laughs> so maybe he gets to the big leagues and hits again. And we're going to see him, I think, quite this year. So it, it's just I think fans treat every single game like it's the entire season. Basically, and front offices work on like a theological scale. They're like, oh, that was the Abanez era. But now we're moving into the, they, they have to have a long view and they have to not overreact to everything that happens every single game. Sometimes you have to react to events in the game, but that's usually only when something really bad goes wrong, like when Javi Baez got pitched. But most of the time, the front office is a little bit more patient and, and measured with, with stuff. And it's just, that doesn't fit well with the average fan mentality of this guy made an error, get him off my team. Yeah. Because if that was the case, then there'd be several, half the roster would be turned over at this point, honestly. And, yeah. and, and it's always, sorry, it's always, you're just guessing. We talked about it a lot with, with Cameron Candelario. Like, what he did last year was not good enough to justify being on the team, really. You had to go, okay, he has some track record. Do we think it's worth it? Do we think it's worth it? And they go ultimately go, no. And then this year he's improved. He's playing good baseball again. It's, was that a mistake or we just have to move on? Sometimes, sometimes you make mistakes, but sometimes, sometimes you hold on to guys for way too long, which has been a lot with the Tigers for the last. And I'm just, look, the, the, at least they're trying, they're doing the much they can, they're trying different things to continuously flip the roster, if you will, and, and try their hardest to, keep the game, keep the team competitive. And that's all you can ask for at this point. And the thing is, is that I know the fans are impatient right now with the way things are, but right now the Tigers are scrapping together. And I, I hate using that those kind of cliches. And everybody wants Zach McKinstry and the all-star team, which I he's, he's done a really good job. And again, he's becoming a folk hero, which is, it's always like, Tiger fans always find a way to do this, and admittedly, it's always been, it wasn't Don Kelly, we're going to see somebody write a blog about how great Zach McKinstry is and how much of a legend he's going to be, which is fine, because he's done a really good job. He had a really good assist yesterday, right? Played the ball off the wall perfectly, and was able to gun, forgot who he gunned down at second base, but nevertheless, these things, these narratives, these you're talking about these narratives and chapters, that's part of the whole entire long part of the season. And so they needed, and you know what, quite frankly, a story like McKinstry, the Tigers were due for something like that to happen. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's, that's the sort of Scott Harris's uh, move so far, right? That's his, his big one to say, hey, okay, maybe he has some idea because that was a guy that by all, any available public measure was not heading for success this year. He was awful in spring training, hadn't been terribly good in the big leagues with the Dodgers. 
But they said, hey, his numbers in AAA were really good. And everybody's like, yeah, whatever, AAA. They saw something and, and talked about it before. It might have been a sweet spot that he gets the barrel on the ball. But he's playing really well for now. And it does feel like a, a, a small victory for the Tigers. If he keeps it up, then hey, yeah, you, you've got yourself a piece for the future. We've seen baseball players do this sort of thing all the time. Sometimes guys are hot for a month or hot for two months and then it cools off. Or sometimes they're just good baseball players and they stay good. You just kind of have to cross your fingers with them and get three. I don't know. The, the only other thing I suppose we should talk about is Reed Olsen making his yeah. big league debut tomorrow. It's it's fun. It's always fun to see a guy make his big league debut. I, I'm i not terribly optimistic about how it's going to go because that has nothing to do with Reese Olsen's ability. It has more to do with, boy, like 90% of guys making their big league debut struggle. Remember Joey Witz had a really rough debut and then came back and was good before struggling again. I don't know. He, he's got the stuff to pitch in the big leagues, but he's just got to put it in the right spot or else it's going to get hit really hard. Yeah, over his last three starts, he's been very effective and figured things out a little bit. He's using his changeup quite a bit more. This is a May 20th start against Omaha where he got 15 swings and misses. And that, yeah, the call, the swing rate, call strike swing rate was 50% on that changeup, which has been get some really good darting action on it. So that's against a team like Chicago, who's been, who's, who's really aggressive at the plate. It'll be interesting to see how he faces a guy like Tim Anderson, where Tim Anderson just hammers everything tiger pitching wise. And so, which ni- what's nice about this is they're going to have some sort of a scouting report on Olsen, but if he could do, mm-hmm. if he could keep the ball down in a way like he can in this starting letter here alone, just yeah, you know, setting up his change up pretty well. Yeah, I mean, there's the two big things I've seen. His changeup is his best pitch. It's arguably the best changeup in the entire organization, maybe behind Langs, maybe, I don't know, you want to see Lorenzo or that, but it's a, it's a really good changeup. He's not afraid to throw it to right-handers. He's not afraid to throw it two, three times in a row to anybody. So I'm really interested to see how they have him pitch in the big leagues because his fastball is his worst pitch. It's 95 miles an hour and get up to 97, but it just gets pummeled usually. He doesn't miss bats with it for the most part. And so I'm, I'm really curious to see if they try to keep him from using that a ton and, and stick with the change up and slider and curveball. Because the other big thing I think in the last start is the slider location is better. Early in the year, because it, it's, it's a high spin, 3,000 RPM breaking ball. So is his curveball. Like his stuff, there's nothing wrong with his stuff. But he kept, he would spin it and leave it right over the, the heart of the zone. What Jackson Job was doing a little bit last year in the minors, where it, it, it moves a lot and spins a lot, but if you're not locating it, that doesn't really help you. And so he, he's been doing a good job, Olsen has, of locating it low and away, the right-handed hitters. And so I'd like to see more of that. But uh, yeah, there, there's plenty to to work with here. It's just a matter of, of locating because big league hitters don't miss a lot of mistakes. Yeah, this is, his starts heading in this prior to these last three starts he's been having, it's been really command with him. That's been the issue. Some of his stuff has looked really good. But just sequencing and just it has been the thing with him where he will have a really good, again, his first, he goes up to, against somebody at first, it's first batter, get, hit three or four pitches, but then the next batter, for whatever reason, would be a 11, 13, 14 pitch at bat where they're battling and end up being either making hard contact somewhere or they walk and it hasn't been the case recently. Yeah, I think there was also an element of 
he was getting hit so hard that then you start nibbling, right? You're, you're trying, it's tough. It's a tough balancing act where you, you don't want to throw it down the middle. Uh, but then if you're trying to throw it too far out of the zone and get guys to chase, then suddenly they're walking and then you're getting yourself in more trouble. I don't know. It, it's good to see him improve after those early struggles. It was looking really rough there for a while. And, but yeah, it, it's, uh, you always feel happy for guys making the big league debut. So that'll, that'll be exciting. Hold out hope that he can give him four or five innings and look solid. Especially what, especially if you're going to have a, hopefully you, Hinch has done a really good job. Case in point with Joey Wentz's start. Yes. On Wednesday against the Rangers where Wentz was hanging in there against a very good Texas team. He has curveball working and very effectively. And so it'll be interesting. There'll be a probably short lease on short leash on Olsen, especially with the, against the White Sox who they're a familiar opponent with. But they also have to, Monday, when they come back, they have the Braves coming. So it's it's not getting any easier for Detroit. No, it's a tough month for them. It, it, this is going to be a really challenging month. You've lost your best hitter for who knows how long, maybe two months, maybe the whole year, unfortunately. And you lost your best pitcher for at least one start, according to the Twitter doctors, but yeah. probably four or five. Generally, you don't rupture things in your hands to come back from it. But uh, I don't know, maybe he can throw nothing but palm balls and uh, not use his fingers. Fingers are usually important in pitching, but eh, who knows? So, yeah, it's going to be a tough month. They're going to have to survive it. As you said, there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with, with Scooble and, and Manning and Turnbull and Carpenter's going to be coming back soon. Eddowes will be coming off the IL, theoretically. So some help on the way, but these next few weeks are going to be a real challenge. Palm ball, by the way, is the last Tiger to throw a palm ball. Joe Bolivar, remember him? No. No? Joe, you remember, Joe, remember, Joe Bolivar? You don't remember Joe Bolivar? No, I remember, was it Frank Tanana? I remember Frank Tanana tried the hesitation pitch. <laughs> and like the spring training in like 1987 or 89 or whatever. Like they're like, yeah, he's trying it. He'll start pitching and then stop and then throw again. And they're like, they let him do it. The spring training, they're like, no, that's a block every time. What are you doing, Frank? But yeah. Pump ball. Yeah, he, he threw a... He threw a, a palm ball. This was, I'm trying to find him right here. I'm trying to find a quick picture of him. But yeah, he threw a, he was a journeyman starter, bounced around between Atlanta, Philly. It was, a, it was one of those veterans the Tigers would take a, a flyer on. But yeah, here he is. This is Joe Bolivar. And uh, there was a good story in Saber. Uh, talks about him because this is when the Indians just teed off on the Tigers on a regular basis. But yeah. So he, yeah, he threw a palm ball. That's, that was his, that was his fruitful. That was his main pitch. And he pitched for the Tigers for a couple seasons before he went and ended his career with the Pirates. But yeah, that was the last just, Tiger pitcher. It's just a changeup. It's just a different grip. The, right. the pr- primary changeup we see now is the circle change where you put it in your palm circle part a little bit. Or the, Vul- or the Vulcan one. Vul- so, Vulcan is probably the more, you know, like, or split change, if you will. Yeah. And the palm ball, Jim Palmer, I think, threw the palm ball. Like it was a, it was a, it's a change up that I think it's just being straighter, but it still has the velocity separation and looks like a fastball. Anyway, yeah. uh, Edward, Eduardo Rodriguez is not going to be doing that. No, okay, hurt his finger. And the rupture, anyway. yeah, ruptured finger thing was, it, it didn't sound exactly, it sounded painful. In other words, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Will be if you want to check out everything else on our website, go to tigersmlreports.com. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Tigers Mind League War Motor City Metrics. 
And for all great original content, go to those two channels. Or if you also want to help us out, then go to our Patreon.com forward slash Tigers Minor League Report. And we just had Jerry post a player profile article on there exclusively only on the Patreon. And we have a couple articles coming out here as well. So I'll be doing a kind of a piece on what life after Riley Green, depending on what happens with the farm system. And Chris has got an outfield piece and what to expect from Reese Olsen, correct? Yeah, Reese Olsen one will be up tomorrow. I got the outfield outfield draft piece is out right now. And then I'm going to do just a quick recap of, of our top 25, how they did statistically in May. Because rather than, I considered if we should do another re-ranking, but it feels a little too soon. So I just look at some statistical performances and see how guys did that month. And uh, random note, I just saw that Outfielder Cole Calhoun has exercised his outfield with the Yankees, so he might be on the market there for the Tigers. They want a, another lefty outfielder, but in any event, probably be yeah. a lot of guys opting out right now. Yeah, because they're probably choosing the right time, and right now, you're, hopefully, the Tigers can pick up a veteran pitcher to supplement, yeah. because right now, they need starters so bad, and again, when would Scooble come back? We'll see, but there is some good progress with that. So, for myself and Chris, we'll talk to you next time. Call um, Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.